0: Daryl, you are everywhere and everyone. Uh, I really have been thrilled to pieces to be able to write at your coattails for the past couple of years. Can you share with our audience who is all over the world what you do and where you do it?
1: Uh, thank you. And, and uh, I sometimes feel I'm writing your coattails. So, so thank you so much. Um, where and what and stuff. Okay, here we go. Uh, I own a company called Indie Week. It's in Canada. Uh, we do festivals and conferences normally, but due to COVID, we've moved online and we now do four conferences online. Indie Week in November, that's our flagship and our hub. We launched Screen by Screen, which takes place in February each year and it is focused on music and tech. In May, it's Indie 101, which is focused really on emerging artists and people wanting to get into the business on education and connections. And then Music Pro Summit is high-level industry discussions, and that's in September. We also have other programs that we're working on. Uh, Every Tuesday, we've got Indie Weekly online, and that's free. Uh, We talk shop, music, uh, mental health, uh, all sort of current issues. And that one's really great because it's free and people join from all over the world. And, and we've had people like David Bowie's manager, writers for Billboard magazine, uh, certain producers. It's It's been great. Um, and then we also have a podcast, which is basically basically everything we do is recorded. So audio versions end up as a podcast and that's released every Thursday. Um, you can go to IndieWeek.com for basically all the info. Uh, on all those and then we're working on new programs uh we are working on a all i can say and this is the teaser part is uh we do have a new music festival in the works coming in 2023 hopefully uh you know working on this isn't your only day job job,
0: though right you've got another no i'm I'm getting
1: through this one to get to the other one (laughs) Yeah, And then uh, the other thing, too, is we also have an export program that we're launching called Nation by Nation, connecting conferences and festivals around the world. And then, yes, my other hat, which is really important and it's been great, is the last three years I've been the rep in Canada for CD Baby and newly announced fairly recently is that I am now the downtown global team member in Canada uh so managing director in Canada for downtown. Uh and that includes brands uh such as CD Baby, which is owned by Downtown, uh Song Trust, Fuga, which distributes record labels and large catalogs, uh, Foundy, which is if you need to do marketing, uh, getting your banner ads on sites like Live Nation and in their newsletters and stuff like that, Billboard. Uh And I know I missed a couple, AdRev, which does YouTube collection and a few others. Uh, But yeah, SongTrust, Fuga, and CD Baby are sort of like our focus points in all of that. But uh, that's my big day job right now.
0: And then you sleep somewhere in there and have like a real personal life and everything else in the midst of doing two full-time jobs-ish.
1: Try. (laughs) Yeah, I I sleep about three, four hours a night. That's, that's about what I get.
0: Wow. And you are in the beautiful city of Toronto or near Toronto?
1: Near Toronto. Yeah. Uh, And it's really weird because, because of COVID now we're just globally online internationally all the time.
0: So you are doing such unique things and creating, um, creating content and relationships and networks, etc. Um, have you always been a connector when you were a small person? Did you make your friends play together and orchestrate everybody? Were you that person or were you into music? What was the gestation of these superpowers that you bring together?
1: Uh, so if you're saying when I was a small person, as a kid, I was probably the opposite and more of like uh stick to myself and and that kind of thing. Uh, music was an outlet. Uh, probably when I was 14 is when I started playing guitar. Uh, and I studied music in college then went on the road and bands and stuff like that. Um, and when I moved to Toronto, I literally didn't know anybody, not one person. Um, I came here with a band and then the band broke up and they went back home and I stayed uh, and I knew nobody. And so it it was really through meeting people and often they're connecting me with somebody. And, and it's kind of like learning that the, the more people you know, the more reach you have and things get easier because the people you know. And, and so I've really focused on that probably the last 10 years on, on the importance of, of connected, but I've been, I would say even when I was in Edmonton, I started working at HMV and that was kind of my start in the music biz as well. Um, and learning what sales are and what marketing is and, and things like that. Um, I was always the indie guy. I started setting up indie in stores. So at any touring bands, we would ha- every Thursday, have a performance, uh, from an indie artist and, and, uh, yeah, I've always been sort of the, you know, sort of uh how would you say it, sort of supporting the underdog and and trying to help artists uh get to next levels.
0: I'm gonna come I'm gonna I want to circle back in this again cuz as some folks who followed the show now I've just finished 22 years of teaching at UCLA and I have students in the current era who go but but do you have to be an extrovert and do you have to be outgoing to be in this industry? And it sounds like you started out maybe not being an extrovert is your natural nature. Under, Absolutely. Cause,
1: yeah. Cause
0: um, people think, well, I have to be out there. I have to be outgoing. I have to be meeting people, but it doesn't have to be the core part of your DNA. It sounds like it came from wanting to match, make music and, artists who are indie folks that was maybe the heartbeat under it not the I have to put to, I have to put on a show I have to bring people together
1: um that's a hard one and and it's funny when you said that it's like my third hat is I am a teacher I've been teaching for over 20 years so uh that's my other day job <laughs> uh, third day yeah, job um, you have to, Yeah. You have to, you have to put on that face and you know um, it is part of the role. Like you have to talk to people. You have to be willing. Like there's been so many, so many opportunities where I was questioning, should I go talk to that person? And if I didn't, I would have missed out on so much that has happened as a result. And I could say, you know, sort of on the top level side is getting John Densmore of the Doors to come as a keynote speaker to Indie Week. Uh, I was very apprehensive on going to meet him. And the way I met him was at a book signing. And I'd previously emailed him. And then I found out he's got a book signing in Toronto. Well, I could literally stand in line. And when he's signing a book, I could ask him about Indie Week, you know? Because the second, third email's in, he was getting slow to respond. And I was like, I should just sit in my office and work. Why would I go? And maybe I shouldn't. I was really inside my head explaining all the reasons why I shouldn't do this. And then I just thought of the one, well, maybe he does speak at Indie Week. That's enough for me to go. So I went and I literally, because I'd waited, I was literally last in line, Block length, and they cut off the line after two people had joined after me. So I almost missed the opportunity completely. And when I got there, uh, I actually got a picture of me shaking his hand. And at the point, I'm like, "Hi, I'm the guy that emailed you about Indie Week." And he's like, "Oh, you didn't wait in line, did you?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And, and he's like, "Oh, well, here's my card. Let's go get a coffee, you know." And so uh, yeah, followed up and went for coffee a couple days later with John Densmore, the doors. And he said, yes. And we had him as a keynote speaker. And that's just one example of many that if I didn't put myself out there, even when I was uncomfortable, I would have missed out a, a large, you know, opportunity. And, and, uh, there's many, many stories like that. So, um,
0: and a lot of and it's also, that story in your head, right? In, in part of <laughs> the story in your head that you're sort kind of saying yeah, of I, the reasons you can't or shouldn't do stuff.
1: Yeah, and and I've you know I've read books about it, this kind of stuff, like the business books and stuff, and it, you know a lot of them call it like it's the radio voice. There's this ongoing voice that's kind of going in your head, and you got to learn to shut it out and you start take control and make the decisions as opposed to it kind of telling you, oh, it's probably going to be a waste of time. It's probably going to be this. It's probably like shut that out and and you get control and, and make the decisions. And, you know, the reality is I my whole career is based on relationships and helping others. And I've been basically I was a broke out of work musician. I just quit my job at HMV in 1996, I believe it was, or ninety seven. I can't remember the exact year. And I found out the government would pay for a course. So I took a three and a half month desktop publishing course. And this is pre-internet. Websites did not exist. So it was Photoshop, Express, Illustrator. Um, Those are the programs we learned in three and a half months. But during that time, I volunteered for a radio show. Remember, I was broke musician, meaning hungry. And so I volunteered for a talk show that was about restaurants. And so once or twice a week, I ate really well for a broke musician. <laughs> uh, one, at the show where they actually cooked and talked about it on air. And two, during the week, we'd often go to a restaurant opening. And those are really... It's funny, here I'm a broke musician. I'm at this high-level restaurant eating really good food. And it's just through volunteering. And what would happen is... I'd be the one helping the guests and in the green room. And they'd ask, what do you do? I'm in school doing desktop publishing. And they'd be like, oh, I need a new logo. Can you do it for us? No, I don't know it yet. But give me your business card. And others would be like, could you do a menu for us? Same thing. Give me your business card. And Monday morning, I would go to the teacher and go, here's these cards. They're potential clients. You could make money. Take it. And, and they're like, you don't want to do it? I'm like, I don't know it. Go for it. And what happened was at some point after the the course was over, a couple of those, those students, I mean, teachers came back to me with a job that they couldn't take on and they referred that work to me. So I got clients off of them that was worth more than the clients I gave them. And then the school called me and said, Hey, there's somebody that needs help, potential, uh, gig so it was was about a month two month long gig helping out a company do their catalog and um, then I got another call and it was from a different company that heard from this company that I did this stuff and I've been completely self-employed ever since and it's all been off of referrals 100% referrals my current gigs these these extra jobs I'm doing they're all off of referrals too Uh, and I've done eight, nine years contract work for Live Nation Uh, in Canada, helped launch the Canadian Tire website, which is like the biggest national, you know, uh, retail outlet at that time. Uh, So I've done some pretty big things and it's all off referrals. So uh, I'm, I I know that's a really long answer, but I'm just so an advocate of referrals. Like that's it.
0: Have you ever wanted to work at a big company? Have you ever felt that you were missing out by not working at a major music or other creative company?
1: Yeah, um, but I am now, so I'm okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, like I I think I would have made a really good A&R rep. ear to the ground, finding the bands. I, I would have done really well in that type of role, but that role started fizzing out and not being what it was. And so I think I kind of even just had missed the heyday of A&R anyways. So it's not like I really missed out. It just, that would have been a cool gig. And I think I would have done really well at it, but that's kind of what I do now uh, for the role I'm in anyway. So, so I feel I'm in a great position, you know, uh, I'm, I'm one of the luckiest guys and, uh, if I complain, it's uh, I shouldn't, and uh, it's not warranted. So,
0: so what was the 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 seedling of the idea to create Indie Week? What was happening in the business and in your head at that time?
1: Uh, the biggest part was simply a lot of the showcase festivals were overlooking really good local talent and it it might kind of go back to what we said you know relationships and such a lot of artists are not good at creating relationships but they're really good at their art and I just felt a lot of them were being overlooked including a band I was in like we were selling out shows and always good crowd but like we would get overlooked and a lot of it is who you know so uh we I just wanted to create uh festival that showcased local local talent made sure industry was there to see them Uh, we used to do kind of a competition where we're looking for like the best of the fest and and the really only purpose was we're going to put some industry in the room that they'll start like a you're being watched by industry for sure because we also know you could travel to a a showcase festival and no industries in the room seeing you. So we wanna make sure some industry is there to see you. And, uh, you know, we would be able to provide feedback as well. Um, and through that, you know, some artists got signed and artists got producers and managers and opportunities elsewhere. And uh, it just sort of kept growing from that. But uh, but that was the idea It's just local talent was getting overlooked and, and we wanna make sure there's a, a local festival, Indie Week was really a hobby. It wasn't a business. It was just, let's have bands and bars that are local, that are doing great, that need to be recognized. And it's just grown from there.
0: And this was the early, this is the early 2000s? Yeah, like 2003,
1: 2004.
0: Uh, how, yeah. did think, like... how did you fund this hobby? How did you, how did you fund it?
1: Uh, Well, one it didn't need to have too much uh cash flow to get off the ground uh, I was booker of a venue and I knew all the venues so I was able to easily book i think it was like six venues to start and there's no fees like there's no rentals or anything like that. Then I got backline sponsored um, and through relationship with a local beer company uh at the bar that I worked at was able to get sponsor- uh them as the official presenting sponsor and just did a call out to all the bands. I knew a lot of the bands cause I was booking and uh, it was actually quite easy to tell you the truth. Uh, I was just like, I book shows all the time. Anyways, I'm just doing six venues over four nights. It wasn't that bad. And I think it was 40 bands the first year. So.
0: so how did you know to do a second year and at, at what point in time did you go, hey, this works. This is a success.
1: Oh, uh, is it a success? I don't know still. (laughs) No, just kidding. Uh, well, it was funny because, uh, there was a venue called the 360 and we like that first year we had a really great launch, like great crowds. And this is when our, also people went out for music for the sake of music and Discovery and and Toronto had Queen Street where all the venues are along one street. You could walk easy to it. So it's, it's very different than it is now. And on the Saturday night, an agent friend, he walked over to me and remember, I was still in a band too uh, myself. And he walked over and he said, you know what you got to do now? You got to decide whether you're one of them. And he pointed to the stage or if you're one of us and 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 so he's kind of saying you know where's your focus being a musician or doing the business and you know i tried to do the band i think for a year after that and and i decided to do the business side of it uh and i was really heavy in live nation work at that time and as as teaching live nation booking a venue in a band and then got rid of that and then indie week uh so see i had five jobs then too um, and it, it just was an exciting thing, you know, like here's a new project. It's exciting. And for launches like, okay, that was really good. Can we add more bars next year? And can we have 60 bands? Can we do 80 bands? So so it, it was kind of a challenge and it was an interest and, uh, it, it really kind of stayed a hobby for the first 10 years, you know, like it wasn't meant to be more than what it was and we started getting international artists I started managing bands actually the, the band that was voted best band that year I managed for two and a half years and I had a roster I think about six to eight artists at one time that I was managing uh, and I ended up managing a band from Ireland called Vestivaro, which they were amazing so I ended up spending time in Ireland and then we did an indie week in Ireland that they helped put together uh, and it was there, I think four years, six years. And then ended up going moving it to like as things were growing, we thought UK was a bigger market. So it moved it, moved Indie Week from Ireland to the UK. And uh we had done a few years in Manchester and then Brexit started happening, and we're like, this is just gonna be a mess. So being an international or sorry, a foreigner working in there. UK and all that. So we just pulled the plug on that side and focused on Canada. And by that point, Canada had grown. I think we were doing 24 venues over the four nights and up to 240 artists internationally. Uh, So it, it became a thing for sure. And, uh, and we needed to focus on it. And uh, we had other contracts. So when you say we. Yep. We, yeah, like the, my we? staff and I. Uh, who's so we? tiny staff, uh, mouse in it's your pocket diff-
0: staff, a dozen people. <laughs> how how uh, many people does it take to put around on? around four to
1: six all the time. Yeah, it's about four to six as a core staff. And it changes, you know, uh, here and there throughout the years. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's been about four to six. And then we bring in contractors as we need, you know, but, uh, it's, it's overall, like I find a lot of this stuff actually fairly easy. It's just volume of work, but a lot of it's really easy work. Um, and I'm, I'm being my digital with my digital background. I use a lot of tools to automate and try to work on efficiencies as much as I can so that we're kind of getting stuff done in 25% of the time that usually Others might take 100% of their time. So, so really trying to be as efficient as possible.
0: So when you look to take on a new thing, I and mean, you've, you've given the example of going into Ireland and UK, cutting back, extending your reach with the things you're doing, the CD baby and et cetera, how do you, how do you look at risk? How do you take a look at, is this worth stepping out toward, do you adopt risk easily or do you really hedge and think? Should I be doing this, and how do I measure it? Because you're you're taking an existing area of business and both putting your time into it, and I'm assuming financial risk.
1: Uh, I'm I've always been a risk taker. I'm always uh, i been just go for it. A lot of the times, you know, um, and I I, I really. Like that's, you're making me think, cause it's like in music, I've always sort of just said, let's do it, go for it. And, um, you know, to cut it, if I could share a story, for instance, uh, when I was in college for two years, I remember before college, I was telling my mom, like, I'm out, I'm going on the road. And she, she was really like, no, you're going to school. And I had to convince her I'm going to music school because she wanted me to like, of course, the accountant, doctor, lawyer kind of stuff. Um, and literally the day that course finished, I'm like, great, I'm out going on the road. See a kind of thing. And uh, it literally took me only two weeks of less than two weeks even uh, of that course finishing to get into a band and on the road. Um, it took me no time at all. Uh, that was my main goal from high school and that was it. Now I'm free. I'm out. Um, But just to give you an example is that I'd put a posting in a music store, guitarist available. They called, we talked great. And then they were going to come pick me up. They're already on the road. Uh, They were going to come pick me up and we were going to go to the gig and I'm waiting and no one shows up. And so I call, like, I actually, this is dating myself. I actually had to look in the phone book. And the, in the city that we were supposed to be playing at, to call the hotel where the bar was in and be like, hey, could you put one of the band guys on the phone kind of deal? And it turned out, classic band story, the bus broke down. And if they had come dipped into Edmonton to pick me up, they wouldn't have made it to the gig in time. So they had to drive straight to the gig. And this is before cell phones, so they had no way to call me. Uh, so I called the hotel, which went down into the bar, found somebody that looked like a musician. It was the drummer. And he told me that story. I said, cool. I hung up, picked my guitars up, small bag, and I went to the Greyhound station, hopped on a Greyhound, and literally went to the city and had not met this band before. And as I, the cab dropped me off, I saw a couple guys unloading gear out of a school bus. And I just said, hey, I'm your new guitarist. So I hadn't even met them. And uh, I ended up being on the road for, I think, six, eight months with them. Uh, and that's where I first cut my teeth on the road. Uh, but that's even the case, like, then fast-forwarding, and the band I was in, and the singer said, hey, I'm moving to Toronto. I'm like, cool, I'll go. And and just like, she's like, are you sure? Yeah, no problem. Like, no thought, no hesitation. And, and I I really... Any time I've done that kind of leap, it's always been for the better, almost always. So I've got a, a attitude of just go for it, and and um, I feel there's going to be mistakes, and I know that. Like within any week, we've made so many mistakes and and all that kind of stuff. But in saying yes and going for it, you're already going faster than your competition. And I often find the competition is slow moving and, or should we, I don't know. You've already gone blown past them. And, and so that kind of attitude, and we can fast forward to COVID in like, mm-hmm. can we do this online? Maybe. And we paused for a few months and it was really scary. Like we were looking to close shop completely, but when we made that decision, we were full on. We launched a weekly, we launched a mentorship. We launched a conference online. Once we finished that conference and saw success, we launched three more conferences online. So now we're doing four conferences, a weekly session. The audio's turned into a podcast, and so um, being that and you, agile and you became
0: and, much more global,
1: m- very global, and you yeah. became much more global, yeah, than ever before. And and so it's it's having that ability to be nimble and agile and be reactionary to the market. And that, that's what I found to be very key is that I think a lot of companies can't react quickly enough to what the demands are. And, And I think that's where our strengths lie right now.
0: Biggest risk you've ever taken.
1: Oh man, biggest risk. Uh, it might've been the move to Toronto without any plan other than being in a band that knew nobody or nothing here. Uh, that that's one, um, doing the indie weeks in, in foreign countries, that's a big risk. Uh, it's hard to say what the biggest risk is to tell you the truth, because they're all risks (laughs) and they're all pretty big.
0: And then of all the things you're doing, what gives you the most satisfaction?
1: Well, it's combined everything in the sense that a lot of the the same motivation for me working with downtown and the way we look at downtown is we have all these services that help artists at whatever level their career is. Uh, With Indie Week, it's helping artists get education and make connections to help with their career. And the teaching is helping students. So really, it's knowing you've helped somebody. I think is the, is really the the thing, you know, um, I've got a, I know this dates the, this recording, but I've got a dinner meeting with a producer and we were out on uh, Monday at an artist showcase and he's now working with an indigenous record label, producing indigenous artists as a result of connecting at Indie Week. And, and so there's a lot of different stories out there that, I don't hear until after the fact, I have no idea that this happened and this started two years ago and uh, he's already been up North a number of times. Um, so, so there's, there's a lot of things that have happened as a result of what we're doing. And ultimately I just think helping people is a good thing. So that's the main motivator.
0: And so, I'm not hearing and, and I current say too, stories of please.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, and and truthfully, money wasn't really the main motivator at all for like it's as we've got bills covered. We're like it wasn't like a get rich quick scheme and things like that. It's uh, we often take whatever money we make and reinvest it uh, in other places of what we're doing.
0: How about stories, current stories of Daryl the Musician? Are you continuing to have your own creative work in the mix?
1: No, as I said, uh, my my friend said you have to decide, and I made a decision, and literally.
0: So uh, since that, that point.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, that's one thing is I'm pretty hardcore when I make up my mind about something. That's it, and and. Uh, yeah, I made that choice. I think I've played guitar maybe five, ten times since over the last twenty years uh publicly three times out of that so yeah
0: wow
1: four times four times once was ireland i forgot the ireland one (laughs) yeah but yeah yeah no it's it's, uh pretty hardcore and i'm going to make decisions yeah
0: what's the one thing you have not yet done you'd like to do
1: uh, live in another country and and learn the language and culture. Um, i I'm very fortunate in my job, and this is a big motivator of the work has been I get to travel all over the world to these conferences and I get that little snapshot of the culture, the food, the music, the people and uh, have I've been very rich in meeting great people and have friends in many different territories of the world. Um, but it would be a great experience to actually live for a length, lengthy period of time in one of these areas where I'll learn the language and culture. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been very, you know, through the hard times, like, like with Indie week, we've dealt with, like, I kind of was joking during COVID, Uh, In Ireland, I had to deal with a volcano in Iceland that stranded us there for a week. That's not easy on the budget. Um, Also in Ireland, we've had a bomb scare uh, in Belfast. Uh, We had the Queen show up in Dublin and that closed the roads and nobody could get to the venues. We had a flood in Dublin, which Dublin, if you've ever been, it's split with the Liffey. And so when the Liffey floods, no one could get from either side to the other. So volunteers can get to the side, artists can get to the side, I couldn't get to the other, like, we've dealt with a lot of things. And that's been really good experience. And then when COVID hit, you know, I think that also sort of helped us keep our heads about ourselves, not panic, and, uh, you know, start clearing the way as to what direction we need to go in. Um, But a lot of the motivation has been throughout the years is the people we meet. It's, it's been an experience that you can't get in any other job. Truthfully, um, you know it's it's been so amazing. Uh, the food, the music, the cultures—that's uh, been sort of like the the motivator a lot of the times, I guess. Because it's it's to me that's you feel very rich and it's- in experience with that.
0: And it's from you putting puzzle pieces and people together. So it's not given to you. It's you've assembled all of these Legos into what is your diverse businesses based on your superpowers.
1: Well, it's, it's results, you know, and, and you don't know where it's going to come. Like, for instance, right now, I've got an invite to Bulgaria in a month and a half uh, to be at a conference there. And it's their first edition of the conference. Uh, I just got off a call about a new conference that's growing, that works with the Asian market. Um, you know, and, and to me, you know, again, money isn't necessarily the motivator. Like, uh, we only have one life and I'm going to try to pack mine as full as I can, uh, while I'm here. So, uh, and I've got partnerships in Brazil, Peru, uh, before COVID I was going to Brazil three, four times a year and and I can hardly wait to get back there in August. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: Well, we've covered the calendar. We've covered the world here. Um, anything you'd like to mention as we wrap up in addition to your great conferences coming up, but anything else that we haven't talked about you'd want to mention?
1: Uh, I, I think if, if there's any kind of advice, um, yeah, connecting others. It it's almost like when you help someone else, and this goes back to that story of when I was a student and helping like going to teachers, here's clients, and they would go, Don't you want to cut? Nah, just take it. Especially like at that level, it like it wasn't huge money. But say I there was four teachers, and then there's a teaching assistant, I would also give to him. So that's five people that if they got an opportunity that they can't cover, I want to be the first on their dial list as to who they're going to call. So now I've got five sales agents out there and, and, you know, it turned into the teaching assistant. He's, he called me and he said, I'm quitting at nine 30 on Monday. You should be outside the office at nine thirty one Cause I'll walk out. You could walk in and basically take my job, which I did. And that led to teaching and I'm still teaching. Uh, that was my introduction to that. And, and that was a really good wage at that time. I ended up for a while taking over the entire curriculum and I was teaching three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon, three hours at night, nine hours a day, making really good money. Um, and that was off of just giving a business card. And that changed my life. And through that, more connections came. Um, and I always share this one story, it's really funny, is that I, I I share this, like I am the worst interviewer for a job, like the worst, I don't have a resume, I don't have a portfolio, I don't keep track of nothing of that. I don't have time, I'm so busy with everything. And um, I got a call on a Monday afternoon, where it was like, I hear you do web and Photoshop. Yeah. Do you have a resume? No. Do you have a portfolio? No, I'm too busy. And I, you know, do you have a website? No, it, it, I'd have to update it and it was all old stuff. So I took it down. Really terrible interview. And he's like, but you can do this. Yeah. And then he said, well, what's your availability like? Cause it's due tomorrow. I'm like, sure. No problem. I'll do it. So he goes, and this is early days there's no real Google drive or docs or things like that. So he's like, I'll get off the phone and I'll start sending you files. And then once I've done sending them, I'll call you again. And I'm sitting here downloading the files and there's like photos of David Bowie, JLo, Rolling Stones and the like. And I'm like, I think this is live nation. And he calls me straight up. He goes, you probably guessed this is live nation stuff. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay. So It's due tomorrow. And it was a, so you remember fan clubs. So this was designing the fan club card for these artists to be sold through Walmart. And the options need to be presented tomorrow morning. Yeah. Crazy, right? Worst interview ever.
0: (laughs) How how did this person get in that bad spot? Yeah. I was actually working in this area at the time. So I'm finding this fascinating.
1: Yeah. Well, and then, so he's like, you can do this. All right. Like you sure? Like, yeah, no problem. So the, another way I tend to think is if I do not just a good job, but I do a great job, I will get more jobs. And really that's the, to me, that's the secret of getting jobs is do a great job. You get more jobs. And, um, so I worked hard that day because I had to do three options for each one, front and back and all that stuff. And I sent a link to him. And the next day he calls me kind of freaking out. He's like, where's the files? What's the – and I said, I sent you a link. Click it. And remember, this is – web still kind of new back then. And, and he's like, okay. And he clicks it. And he's like, wait, did you build a website to – show the options i'm like yeah you click on it it pops up you put your mouse over it it flips you can see the front and back and it fans out to the other options and all that stuff he's like you did that in a day yeah because i want all the jobs (laughs) like (laughs) like, i want them all right and and so he's like they're gonna really like this so i made him look good because He's not just sending files to present it, he's sending them a website to present it. And I did it on time, right? And so he calls me after and he's like, So now they want you to, can you do the microsite for Walmart to sell the fan club cards? Yeah. So I did that. So I did the cards and then now I got the microsite version to do as well. And they're really happy with the way it worked. And then I got this call that we've got a conference call with LA and India eight o'clock. And I'm like, okay. And I'm still new to like this working for live nation world and stuff. And uh, so that turned into a conference call with that heavies in LA plus programmers in India, hence eight, eight, eight o'clock at night. And they're like, Talking about a really big web project, and they want me to head it, and so uh, that turned into launching VIPNation.com, and so I did the first version of VIPNation.com, and that was a really heavy, crazy project. And then while that was happening, different departments started sending us stuff, so I ended up doing like the ads for, like, say, Hits Magazine, Billboard, um, some VIP passes a lot of the event marketing assets, like there was front of the line access through American express. So we did that. And then it led to rebranding the entire company. So we actually did the whole brand of the company and, uh, so many different jobs and stuff through it all. And the whole time my, my contact Bruce, it's really about, always making the other person look good, right? And his job is to make his contact look good, meaning we deliver on time, ahead of time. We over-deliver as as little back and forth as possible. There's going to be times where that happens. Um, But I know another long story, but if you think back, it's just turned into like, this is from a phone call, which is the worst job interview. And where I really kind of equated it to is, Who gave that referral? And so Bruce trusts not me. He trusts his friend that said I could do this. So that's the power of the referral is like who is saying it, right? So like if Wayne Gretzky, for instance, said this kid can play hockey, you're probably going to trust Wayne Gretzky's opinion on it. But if I said this kid can play hockey, maybe not, you know? Uh, So it was the power of the person that gave the referral and me not having a resume, or portfolio website, they believe that person. So to and kind of And it's a multiplier
0: it, effect because you, mm-hmm. I was going to say you don't wait though for then the next thing to happen is that you then move forward and make the next thing happen, which then becomes a multiplier effect of delivering what you say you're going to do and beyond that. So you've been I, able to do that. If you My kind of layer life. cake it out on almost everything you've done. And everything. so, if people would like to participate in the next part of the layer cake, how can they get a hold of you and what do you need next?
1: Uh, well, uh, if I could just wrap on that last bit, is that the more yes. people giving referrals out there, the less legwork you got to do. You don't have to look for a thing, it all comes back to you. So that's why the power of connection is really important. When you connect two people and there's something that happens, now you potentially have two sales agents out there talking on your behalf, right? So it all comes together. When you're connecting people, it all of a sudden turns into sales agents. And and sales agents, all I'm saying is that they make the referrals, you know? And when I, example of that Canadian Tire website, it was a former student who took like a weekend Photoshop course with me. Who's a photographer that did product shots for Canadian tire that suggested me. Right. So, um, yeah. you, again, it, it's, it's another way of like helping somebody and it's turned into profit. Right. And, and that's been my whole career ever since I left, uh, my last retail job at HMV over 25 years ago or so. Um, I've been completely self-employed and every, every single thing has been a referral, every single thing. And, uh, that's worked for me and it's, uh, out on a limb the whole time. (laughs) Uh, I had no plan, nothing. I just helped others and it worked. Uh, and I'm very lucky, but next, um, I would say, go to indieweek.com. You can find all our stuff there. Uh, and I'm on socials, Daryl Hers. You can find me anywhere and ask me anything, anytime. I'm more, most active on Instagram. That's probably the, the better place to find me. But Indie Week, you could also contact and we us. And we'll
0: put all of this in the show notes. And um, you also can find all of your weekly adventures and everything else. So uh, lots of places to drink at the Well of Daryl. <laughs> and, uh, and Daryl's team. So Daryl, thank you for joining us. And it's been, um, it's been wonderful connecting with you a lot over the past two years of the pandemic with Amplify Music and all of those adventures. So I'm excited to see where you go next with your team and all of the things you're doing. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you. And likewise, I'm always excited to know what you're doing. And, uh, If we can, I'm always like, if we can help in any way, just let us know.
0: Thanks for listening to Creative Innovators. We are expanding our footprint. So we invite you to go to creativeinnovatorspodcast.com and find us on Substack, where we are creating a new matrix of our past shows that you can find them more easily and find them along with the career adventure guide content where you can take your own career and use some of the tools and the setup to both be inspired By past episodes of Creative Innovators, as well as become a bigger and better creative innovator yourself. We're also launching in a couple of other platforms this year. So stay tuned and join our lists and, and find out where else you can find and combine with Creative Innovators in 2024.